But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passage of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Amen. Don't you want that? <clears throat> yeah, we want that with our lives, right? That they may see our good deeds and may it glorify God. That's what we want. And we talked about opening up the series uh, on sojourners last week as a study of First Peter. Um, that, and I, I say First Peter up front because I know some of you get confused when I say Peter, but that's how I say it. Uh, but we're studying First Peter, um, and um, we framed it with this, right? That we're going to go through trials because that's what Peter says. And in that, God is going to get the glory. And that's, t- that's hard to hear, but Peter expands that and expounds on it, and there's so much uh, just rich, uh, I'll call them nuggets of truth or just encouragement in how to live out this season as we see uh, and the encouragement from Peter, this season uh, framed with, First, uh, calling us sojourners, for one, uh, and then talking about what means what it means to live in this now. And so, um, we're going to read it. Uh, so, I'd love for you guys to open up your Bibles with me or your devices. Someone get excited! We're opening God's Word. It is good to do so. Amen. Um, and I'd love for you guys just to stand this morning with me as we read God's Word. Just to I uh, want to make sure we, we honor his word appropriately, and so we're going to take the time. I just want to read this portion of direction in living now. 1 Peter 1, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in the last, these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. And I want us to read together verse 20 out loud if we could start uh, and, and say it with me God chose him as your ransom long before the world began 
but now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. Would you be seated and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you today as we look at your word and ask for your help. We're thankful that you can guide us by your Holy Spirit to reveal all truth and to help us to implement it in our lives. And today as we look at what Peter's saying here, he closes with the thought that the, the flowers wither, the leaves wither and fade in their color. They're here today and gone tomorrow, but your word remains and endures forever. So God, we're asking that your eternal word would take precedence in our lives and everything that is not eternal today, I pray, becomes more secondary to us than it was when we entered the room today. Move us to change, I ask, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So we said, Peter begins with this, labeling us sojourners, giving us a new label. This word sojourners comes from the word parapetamos, which I'll continue to bring up because Peter continues to bring it up. But it just means aliens, foreigners, strangers, as we heard him describe, um, temporary residents, if you would. And so this word is one that he labels for us, those believers that live in these days. And if we didn't catch it in the first few verses that we're talking about end times, now he continues this thought and he frames that we're living in end times. We're living in a place that is not uh, living out the ways that God desired for all mankind to live out. In fact, um, I described it as Babylon that we live in. Babylon is this word term we get throughout scripture, not necessarily this scripture, but he certainly describes these days as adverse to God's word or his law or his desire for us. Babylon is uh, a word that describes any, really any culture or term that comes against God, a people. And so we use this term modern day Babylon to describe where we are right now, what we live in, the context in which we reside, but just for a time. And so our permanent residency, you could say our residency we look at is where we come in the future, where we end up. And so this is not the end, amen? This is not the destination where we stay, but the place we're passing through. So God has a purpose in this, that we are being scattered. And of course, Peter's describing, we went into that last time, about what the scene looked like and how people are being scattered. And we said this, that the purpose is to bring as many with us as possible. So if our destination is in, with Christ in glory, right? why would we be living in modern-day Babylon? Why would we live in a place that doesn't uphold God's values, his system, his desire, his plan for us. Well, the reason is because we should take as many with us as possible. Those that don't yet know God need someone 
to come and tell them who he is. So our lives, as Peter's about to tell us, should look different. We should live holy lives, as we just heard. How do we do that? Well, first, hopefully, like me, when you hear, hey, live holy as God is holy, you're like, whoa, hey, hang on a second. Holy? Like, that's, that's your deal, God. <laughs> right? You're a holy. How can you ask me to live holy? I understand that your uh, holiness now shared with me because your blood covers me. So when I'm with the Father, I can enter into a throne room uh, with this holy God because your blood covers me and I am seen uh, in your blood covering my sin. Now that's holiness. But in terms of living holy, right? How do, that holiness describes perfection. It's a high calling, and so it should, for all of us that hear that, read that, should make us pause and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, right? Like, that's a tall order. If it doesn't set you back, I would say, please go study holiness. Look at the tabernacle and the different scenarios that are given for us to worship a holy God in the Old Testament. What needed to happen? Why is Peter describing him as the Lamb of God? Because the reader, those readers, were very familiar with what it took for us to be called holy. The Lamb of God had to die, to suffer in our place. And so he's been described, Jesus has been described now as the one that makes us holy. But Peter describes, and this is shocking, He describes and calls us to live holy. And then, though I'm thankful, in 1 Peter verse 13, we read how that can actually be. Why can he ask such a thing? Um, And I love it uh, that we get to dive into this today. Um, But I would say at the end of the day, uh, we're gonna go through this, how do we do this? please hear me, I'm not saying I'm living a perfect holy life. That the desire is to live per- perfect holy life. I set my eyes on the perfect one to follow him. And so we're gonna describe what that means today. And for Peter, he describes it. He says, to do this, we have to prepare our minds. We have to prepare our minds for action. To walk that out. First Peter 1.13, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that, that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Sitting our minds. So I want to go through the three things he lays out in that scripture that I think are setting us up for these lives to live holy. Or to live as a holy people, and this is important because Peter's saying, hey, we need, we need to be scattered, we need to live holy in Babylon. How do we do that? First is prepare our minds, a different way of thinking, seeing for action. Peter set up uh, the idea of trials. You will face trials. as something that as sojourners we need to view and see and make sure it's not in our peripheral, but actually, hey, you will see this as you journey and follow Jesus. Trials, for many of us, um, as you are facing them, become walls of impossibility. I don't know about you, think about for yourself, the last time you were in a trial, something that was really, really hard, 
Um, when you face that thing at first, it can feel like, man, this is impossible. How could I walk through this? How could this possibly be your will, God? I would offer that because our God is with us in the journey, that yes, it very much could be that the thing you're facing is God's plan and desire for you. Because nothing is impossible for our God. Peter wants us to have this belief, understanding, and therefore shift our perspective of trials, hardship. I would offer that he gives this picture or he offers a new perspective for all believers and people that would call themselves, label themselves sojourners in living in Babylon of this, that our new life, every wall or obstacle, trial, thing that just is, feels impossible moves from being just a trial to now being a potential trail, a different trail to walk. I was thinking about this for myself. I, I get excited, some people don't, but um, like going into a hospital or a tense situation where somebody's facing their impossible stuff. I don't, like you wouldn't see me visually look excited walking into the room when someone's facing something really hard or like life-threatening or it's the, you know, they're feeling like it's the end. But in me, in my spirit, I begin to get spiritually, like, my, like it's like, it's like taking the, the bottle cap off of, like, what do you call it, soda? Fizzy drink? Like, that's how I feel. Because I fully anticipate and expect in that moment, God's going to show up for somebody in their desperate place. God's going to offer something, a new perspective, a new way of looking at this thing, not because of me, but I'm, I'm here and I get honored and privileged to walk into this hard thing and see God move in their heart and life as his word does what it says it will do and his presence will do what it says the Bible tells me it will do in that situation. And what I visualize when I think of that wall of the impossible thing is I think of what opens up, what used to be a wall that's that's high, you can't see over it, so deep and hard that you can't go under it, something so wide, there's no possible way of going around it. What Jesus opens up in, and when we put our hope in him is this little hole, if you would, that enters into a trail. Just a, a trail that doesn't look easy or fun. I was in New Zealand last year and I took a picture of a trail that my brothers and I were going. I don't know if we can get it, but I, this, this trail was where we went and uh, it's it goes up the side of the mountain you can see the woods around it kind of imposing over and these steps are carved in to the rock and uh, they used to take the mules up there and, and horses and bring down lumber out of these valleys and mountains and as I looked at that it reminded me of the trials that I faced and the trails that God opens up. That doesn't look easy. And especially, you can't actually see it, but there's a, my brothers and I counted, we've done this trail a few times. There's over 600 of those steps at the first onset when you first go up. There's a lot. And they're big. When you're standing next to it, um, that first step, there's about knee high. 
And so it takes a lot of effort. These trails that, that open up, or this trail that, that I would see in the wall that opens up for us to enter into that God offers, is this hard, narrow road that Jesus talks about us following him down. They can be opportunities for growth. A new perspective mindset that Peter offers is that trials don't have to be impossible walls. They can be trails of discovery. Peter describes these trails as treasures, treasures worth guarding. How can Peter, though, even talk about trials this way? You may be facing something right now. You may have walked years of trials, and you're saying, Bryce, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Peter knows what he's talking about because he faced trials. After just a few minutes of following Jesus, how would you like this when you're, you take up a new job and your boss says, hey, by the way, uh, everyone's gonna know you by this name now and gives you a new name. Your mother might have given you this name, but hey, I'm gonna call you this. Rock. <laughs> Not only that, but hey, you're gonna have to lose your job everything that's comfortable for you, I want you to come follow me. That same Peter followed Jesus, putting his foot in his mouth many times, had to eat humble pie. When he got to the garden, the last moments with Jesus, Jesus asked this Peter, he says, hey, stay awake with me while I pray. This is hard. That same Peter awoke to a commotion and in his excitement cut off a dude's ear which Jesus then told him was wrong. Saint Peter then, in his shame and guilt or whatever feeling he had, then went with the crowd away from where Jesus was. Asked, hey, aren't you one of his followers? And then proceeded to deny Jesus three times. And then in his distance from Jesus and his shame and guilt, had to process what it would be to walk back and be with his brothers after Jesus was hung and died on a cross. Imagine walking back into that room, the hardship that would be. And I would propose that that trial that Peter went through, that he was remembering the words of Jesus and instead of sitting, which we often do, right? in our trials. Instead of sitting, wallowing in his pain and grief and saying it's time to give up, there's no hope. He looked at what needed to be done, the hard thing that needed to be done. And in that, looking to Jesus for hope, for direction, he entered into a narrow road which was taking a humble approach, likely walking into a room and apologizing to his brothers. and then awaiting what came next. I wonder what do you see right now in your life? Obviously Peter knew what it was to have trials, all kinds of trials. But are you steering at a wall or are you steering down a new trail? Are you staring at a wall of impossibilities in what you face or what you think is coming down the road? Or are you looking down a trail and you say, hey, God, I need help? Because they're two different, very, very different places to be. 
uh, Peter says this. He says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that, say so that, the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter is giving purpose and power to our struggles. Preeminently. He's saying like, you're here now, there will be trials, there will be really hard things for you to go through, and he's saying, listen, those things that you're gonna go through are going to refine you, not only are they gonna make you a new person, those things are then gonna hold real value, real treasures like gold, and he says, even as awesome as they are, those things that you learn, the things that you gain, even the glory that that ends up giving God is all gonna fade away because then you're gonna enter into eternity with God, but it is worth it. Because why? Because this is how we take as many with us as possible because God is gonna get the glory when you put your hope and trust in him and walk down this trail. However, there's another option which many of us take and that is to sit. You know, you can go and you can see your hard thing and then you can just sit down and say, hey, doesn't matter. There's gonna be another trial, right? Because in life there's always stuff. So I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna camp out here. You probably ran into these people, you've asked them, hey, how you doing? And they are tired of telling you. Life stinks, so they don't even tell you. They go, meh. There's an emoji for it, I think, now. And so there's not even a conversation, but then if you're close enough and you really dive in, then they start to talk about it and they complain. They're cynical. There's no trust in anyone or anything. They're bitter and broken. In that place, you run into people like that. How can you give hope to somebody like that? I would say many of us are called to sit with some people that are sitting in their wall or at their wall right now of impossibility. And the way that you help somebody who's sitting at their wall of impossibility is you tell them about your last wall of impossibility and the trail that opened up for you to walk down. My wall of impossibility, I didn't know last year you know, would be the way it was, but last year, many of you know, I was in a car accident. And in that moment, I, I, or before that, moments before that, obviously I had no idea it was gonna happen. My worship music was blaring. I was feeling excited, just done with a counseling session. It was amazing listening to God break through in people's lives. And I was just celebrating. And then in a second, everything changed. Despair, shame, guilt, all of those feelings that I didn't want to feel, wouldn't want anybody else to feel, crashed in on me. I didn't realize before that happened that I had an issue with pride in my life. I had pride in the fact that I hadn't had car accidents, that I was a safe driver and, and all of this. 
had layers of pride that existed up to that moment that God wanted to take out of my life. And at that moment, when I was going through that hardship, I had an opportunity to sit in my hardship and wallow in it and sit still and stay there and stay stuck. Or I could put my hope and trust in Jesus and and the little window of hope, the trail that God offered to me was, Bryce, are you willing to give this up? Are you willing to give your pride Are you willing to leave that behind here? And that opened up my awareness of the fact that I had pride in my life was was glaring to me. And I I had an opportunity, an option. I had a discovery. In my brokenness, I had an opportunity to enter into new healing that I I didn't know. that I needed. But that little trail <laughs> didn't look fun. Humbling, going and visiting a family that had been hurt because a moment, a decision of mine causing pain and humbling sitting with them and hearing their story of how that went for them humbling apologizing humbling asking how we can serve them humbling driving down those same roads humbling saying hey babe can you drive us home because I don't know if I can. Admitting that I had anxiety, admitting that I had pain to deal with, humbling. Empowering was to step into that and fully embrace all that God had for me in the trial and walk down the trail of discovery and moving nearer, closer to my Lord. 1 Peter 1.13 says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You know, I, I know that Peter walked those trails. Each time he faced a wall of impossibility, you can see Peter embracing the correction, embracing the letting go of pride and walking through otherwise we don't find Peter in the room when Jesus returns in his glorified status he comes in to the room walks through the wall and they're like hey Jesus it's you and so 
What is it right now on that trail that you're walking down with Jesus? What is he asking for? What is it that you need to lay down? Maybe you went through this and when you face that opportunity to grow and to, to be aware of your pride or your sin, you maybe just stopped there and said, hey, that's too hard. And so instead of going down that trail, you sat. I would encourage you to listen to this. Number two, exercising self-control. Exercise. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I think of this verse and, and, and how Peter introduces the idea of self-control. Instead of just saying have, he says exercise. Exercise, you and I both know, is something that we repeat, right? It's, if you do it one time, been there, done that, you start up working out again, you say, I'm gonna go for it. You do 45 minutes and then you find yourself throwing up in the corner. You're like, oh man, I guess I need to work out some more. Some people hiding their faces. That happened this month, didn't it? With some people because exercise is supposed to be repeated he introduces it as something that should be repeated something that you don't just do one time but something that is practiced ongoing on it is in my life to be a person self-controlled he says this because the world is going to offer in your trail as you go down at many offshoots many cravings that you have the world is going to say hey I've got something easier for you to do than walking this trail that God offers this humbling experience hey you don't need that come this way it's easier if you do this the wide road that leads to destruction. And Peter, sorry, and John describes these three things. He, in this passage here in First uh, John two, three things that we're all going to be enticed by. We can do what we want. We can have what we want. We can be what we want. These are the, the areas of pride in all of us, and they're going to be pulled on, especially when we're facing things down the trails. When you see your impossibility and you say, man, I'm gonna walk the trail with Jesus and you walk through that, the first thing on the other side of that wall when you step down that trail is an easier journey. It's gonna be this path that opens up that looks wide and looks marvelous. You say, oh, this is sweet. Usually, and I talk with people through this, it's the ignorance shoot, right? You got through the initial hardship and then if I just ignore all the things I have to do to continue to walk this out, right, everything's gonna get great and we all know that never works. It just gets harder. But the world will offer you this ignorant path. This, you, ignorance is bliss. But that soon will end. Self-control is important for all sojourners because there are wide roads around every corner. 
but we know where it leads. And Peter says in verse 24, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, the grass that withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word that was preached to you. It's something to remember when we think about what is enticing in this world. Everything will pass away. The, the things of this world will not satisfy Sin has been described as the missing the mark. God has established the mark holy, and Peter reminds us that it is what we're supposed to do, to live it out. We're supposed to be set apart, pure, undefiled. The only way we have this holiness is through the blood of Jesus Christ and in our trails that we're journeying down to say, hey, Jesus, I need you. Right? Jesus says, sin, go, and sin no more. Don't just keep on sinning. Don't live as Babylon around you is living. To be set apart for us is to not live as they do. And for us to do that, we need to put our hope on something that they don't put their hope on. The world puts their hope on the, what they can do. The world is putting their hope on their achievements their abilities. I put my hope on his abilities, his perfection. Verse 10, Peter says, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. When they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you, they, wanted, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. Think about it, Isaiah gets a nugget of truth, right? A, a, a passage he can write down empowered by the Holy Spirit and he writes down Isaiah and all those, all those passages that we've read 43, 44, all of them, 50 all these ones that describe the current and what is about to happen a coming Messiah suffering being passed over all these things and in them was this salivating God I just want to know what it's going to look like when you show up and you do this powerful thing they're so excited. God, wonder what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be amazing. Oh, I wanna be there. And hundreds of years pass by and then Jesus comes. And now we live with that full revelation of what God did in Christ. And sometimes, like maybe we did this morning, you heard me read it and you say, oh yeah, that's what Jesus did, yep. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation in Christ, we hear and we get used to it and so it beco we become numb to it. We were destined to die and suffer but God so loved the world that he gave his son. And every time we hear it, we should be in shock and awe. It's hard but we need to remain in this for is his hope to, to stay alive in us. We need to remind ourselves that we were destined to die without Christ. To keep our hope alive in him, we gotta keep this in front of us. Our hope in Jesus and the salvation in Christ must stay in front of us. Jesus 
reminded us of this Matthew seven thirteen. he says enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction N- many enter through it but small is the gate narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it why will only a few find it because trials can look like circumstances that happen to us the things that we walk into ourselves, either personal bad choices or sin of our own, those around us, we can end up in trials that just because we turned left instead of right or because we looked down at our phone at the wrong time. Either way, in that trial, we have a choice on how to respond. If you're like me, when you probably get uh, to seasons and times when you just get tired of living as sojourners, out there on our own, going from one trial to the next. Relationships that are just not working out. Family tensions, co-workers, or health situations. It can get tiring. You're not alone. Hurt, left unchecked, unhealed, or stuffed down deep inside will fester and become bitterness. Resentment, and ultimately, all that will get ugly and absolutely unchristlike. Bitterness that, be, that becomes cynicism is like an ankle sprain on a hiking trail. It will cause you to sit and become stuck. And unless you prepare yourself for such events, you prepare yourself for action, you will sit on the trail. You will sit in your trial and leave all those things that he wanted you to discover just waiting for you. In these, I'll call them trails or trials of this last year for myself, this verse, this scripture really, really was powerful for me and I wanna share it with you. It's Psalm 119. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. This was powerful for me because when I heard this, I usually, I don't know about you, I heard this in context I would, or out of context, I would normally hear, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. So I heard that and I always went back to his word and said, God, I'm looking for light. But notice how the psalmist writes it. He says, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. This person writing this is so done with following the world's ways. But everything in God is sweet because it gives life. Everything that they've, they've gone and tried before ends, right, with, with just not satisfying But in God, there's something that's truly satisfied. In his words, there's satisfaction. There's this feeling of it being sweet like honey. This really ministered to me because, man, I just needed, I needed that. And before the accident that happened this past summer, I needed that. I was hungering for it. I was really needing God to just speak and breathe life into me. I didn't realize how much. I was thinking about this and it, it reminded me, I, I got some pictures here, I was uh, hunting uh, as a young teenager in this valley here in uh, the Carmandel Peninsula in New Zealand and it's thick brush and we're going up into these mountains here and about 12 hours into our hike and following dogs trying to catch a, a, a pig 
and uh, we got lost because fog set in. And it was raining and it was cold and I remember being told, hey, we're not gonna make it out. There's no way for us to get out. And, uh, and so I was cold, I was shivering, I, it was wet and they, they started making a fire and the dogs, the pig dogs came in and they, they started warming me up. And I was like, this is great. I got a survival blanket wrapped around me and the dogs and we're trying to stay warm. And the thought of being there all night was crushing. How in the world are we gonna survive? We made it through the night, a long, cold night. And the next morning, my uh, stepdad, we were walking down the trail, cut down a tree and took the palm branches off of it. This big, maybe 18, 20 foot tree. And he cut off the palm leaves and out came the center of this tree, a, a stick about this long and about this round. Well, and I looked at it and I was like, that's a lot of sacrifice for a little bit of food. But I grabbed that thing and I shoved it in my face. He said, eat it, it'll be good for you. I started eating it. I tell you, it tasted like raw cabbage or the worst Brussels sprout you've ever had. I hate Brussels sprouts. They are of the devil. But I can tell you, at that moment, I ate that whole thing and I, I kept thinking, this is the sweetest. I, I went and tried it later, so I know this to be true. It was the sweetest vegetable I'd ever tasted. It was everything I needed in that moment to have the hope to move on. We had a six-hour hike out. We caught a pig, praise God. But I needed the nourishment to get out. In that moment, that was sweet. And later on, I tried that same thing. We ate one of these plants, it's a kneecap palm. They ate the center of it. And I'm telling you, it's bitter. It is like raw cabbage. It's disgusting. But in the trail, on the trail, in the hardship, it was beautiful, it was sweet. It's what I needed. And some of the things that you've heard, some of the things that you need to know, some of the things that I needed to know, I wouldn't hear unless I went through the trail. Unless I said yes to Jesus to go through this hardship, it wouldn't have been sweet at all. I wouldn't have learned it, wouldn't know it. I wouldn't have known that I needed pride to be stripped from me had I not walked that trail, had I not said yes to Jesus. So today I'm inviting you to walk down the trail. It's narrow road, it's hard. It might be really humbling as you think about what you need to do to walk down that trail. You might need to go say sorry to somebody. You might need to walk into somebody's office and confess something. You might need to do something even harder than that. But I would invite you to walk down the trail. Don't sit, don't stay stuck. Would you stand with me, church? This morning, God's offering us something else. It might be laying something down, adopting something new. But God, I'm asking in this moment that you just move in our midst and 
Holy Spirit, would you guide our thoughts and guide us to a place of laying down whatever it is you want us to lay down. Move in this moment, Holy Spirit, and empower us to walk down the trail less traveled. Help us to be the sojourners that will take many with us into glory. Thank you, Jesus.